Jamie is a sales development manager at Quantum Metric, and she and I go back about a decade to our first software selling job. She's one of the most talented sellers that I've worked alongside in my career, and I'm very excited about today's show. Jamie shares some very great tips and tricks for standing out in a crowded category, for optimizing your LinkedIn for social selling, and how to, again, stand out from the noise by doing creative prospecting. And Jamie shares some fantastic examples in the show that you can implement right away. So with that, Jamie, welcome to the SaaS Sales Players Podcast. Jamie, it's so good to have you on the show. Hey, Jesse. Great to connect with you again. It's been years. Yeah, and I wanted to actually fill all the listeners in. So one, first of all, I'm super excited about this episode. Uh, I was so glad you reached out. And Jamie and I go way back. In fact, you're really the first peer colleague that I worked with in the software space as a, you know, as a fellow seller. And this was way back in what, 2013, uh, we were at an e-commerce company in Austin and it was very transactional. I've talked about it before on the show, uh, my first job in, in software sales. And, uh, yeah, Jamie was my counterpart there and my fierce competitor too. (laughs) I remember we would always try to sort of one up each other. And it was always like a contest to see who would end up with the most deals at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I was super excited. And what's interesting is even though we've, you know, gone on to different companies now, we're kind of back in the same ecosystem in this CX world, uh, you know, selling enterprise solutions uh, to to CX buyers. So it's just funny how, how, what a small world, right? Absolutely. It's a, it is a small world in the CX and voice of customer land, most definitely. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So I always start out with, I, the audience loves hearing origin stories. So tell us how, and I know you have a really interesting background because you started in sales way before you got into tech sales and then yeah. you were in tech sales and then ultimately SaaS and software. And now, you know, you're, you're, you've stayed in that space now for a number of years. Uh, so feel free to start back as far as you care to. Uh, if you want to go back to like how you got into sales, cool. If you just want to get into how you got into software sales, that's cool too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So it's funny. I, I started in sales basically to pay for college. You know, I, I was going to North Texas and I was commuting and, you know, working full time. And so I basically found a job with Harley Davidson financial services. And so basically I was selling insurance at a call center and I did it for about three years while I was working because it paid really well and I was really good at it. And, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, It's funny because my degree is advertising. I, I have a copywriting journalism degree with a marketing minor, but I fell into sales because it just pays really well, quite, quite frankly. And then after three years at Harley, um, I moved from Dallas to Austin and I spent yeah. another four and a half years um, at an energy company called Green Mountain Energy, where I was uh, an inside sales rep, absolutely loved it, but I wanted to get into tech. So basically I, I got into um, Volusion where you and I worked together And basically you and I, you know, we helped build out that acquisition sales team and thoroughly enjoyed Volusion, but ended up meeting one of their competitors, Big Commerce and Big Commerce. I mean, it was phenomenal because that company ended up going public and, you know, I've, I've been in SaaS software in some way, shape or form ever since, um, 
so yeah, right now I'm an SDR manager for a company called Quantum Metric. That's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, looking back, like this is uh, because I get a lot of questions from newer sellers on how to break into the industry or how to streamline into. So the funny thing I've found is I get a lot of like new college grads that reach out and they want an enterprise SDR role within, you know, six months of of finishing college or something like that. You and I both know that it takes a a certain skill set to get to that point where you're confident in being able to set meetings and generate pipeline against executives at big companies. But looking back at your career, do you think there's a way you could have gotten to where you are now faster? Are you pretty satisfied with the way that your career has gone? Or do you look back and say, man, if I would have done this, I probably could have got to to where I am now faster. Or is it just part of the journey? You know, I would say for me, it was part of the journey. Um, You know, I was willing to take a step back and, and really, you know, to get into the tech industry, I was willing to basically just, you know, be an inside sales rep and, Mm -hmm. you know, work my way up uh, to eventual leadership. Um, There's, you know, there's so much opportunity, uh, particularly in sales development. um, And there's so many tech companies that are just, I mean, growing like crazy, particularly in my industry with CX and digital transformation. That's really what my company deals with. the pandemic has really, you know, catapulted the digital surge, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. What's your take on, so your first foray in mine as well, because we started in the same place in the SaaS business, was in a closing role, even though it was a really transactional one. And again, I've described it in past episodes, but it was very much a one call close, you try to get the customer to hand over their credit card on on the first call after you've sold some value and done a quick demo. Uh, do you think now I know a lot of the, the, my counterparts that are a few years younger than I am started in SDR roles. Do you feel like there's a, a pro or con to going in either direction with, you know, going back, do you, do you wish you could have started in a, in an SDR role with a, you know, very mature software product, or are you glad you started in some closing roles? Great question, Jesse. You know, I, I would advise anyone that's new to, you know, technology, enterprise, SDR, you know, that position. Mm-hmm. If you want to break into that, I would say, number one, find a high growth startup. You know, I mean, I'm not necessarily, I'm not talking about like a public company, like an Oracle or a Salesforce, but, you know, you right. find a high growth startup, like my company, for example, Quantum Metric, and your work is so much more impactful, you know, because you get in there early and the company hopefully grows and you make a really big impact and then you grow your career with that. And that's pretty much what's, what's happened in my experience. Um, my current role, you know, I, I was a team leader for about nine months and I crushed that role. And basically now I'm a, a leader. Now I'm a sales development manager. So I would suggest, you know, Take, be willing to take a step back to take three steps forward, if that makes sense. That is really good advice. And that's essentially what happened to me as well. So I, shortly after I left Volusion, I think within about a year and a half of leaving Volusion, I ended up at uh, another startup called Smarter HQ. And uh, yeah, it was early stage, small team uh, and, and jumping into a BDR role. Uh, I, I did, you know, just pipeline generation for the company. And because I was willing to t- take a step back, 
focus on one skill set, which was generating pipeline and get really good at doing that against enterprise buyers, it opened up a ton of other doors for me. And it's still skills that I use in my role today, which is being able to pick up the phone and engage uh, you know, an executive buyer in a conversation about procuring technology, right? So I wholeheartedly agree. And I, I look back and I'm really glad because I, I remember early in my career, I thought, man, I should probably just go to Oracle and you know, not to not to knock any of these big companies. There are also some pros to going to these big companies because you get training, investment, and things like that, and you can build your network really quickly. Uh, but I look back at my career, and I don't know that I would have been as fulfilled or as moved through my career as quickly as I have if I would have gone and just sort of been a number at a big company that's already public or with you know ten thousand employees because it's really hard to prove your value and stand out against a bunch of other numbers. And it's really hard to even see the impact you make in a big organization like that. Cause again, you're just sort of a cog in the machine. So I totally agree with that. I think that's really great advice. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I worked both. I've worked at a global technology company. That's a public company that has 50,000 employees and I didn't feel as fulfilled. I, I felt like, yes, I was impacting the business in a positive way, but I don't know. My efforts weren't as noticed as it is here at my current role, you know, and the great thing about working at a startup, you know, you come in, you work hard and you can be rewarded. You can really move into a lot of different areas mm. of the business. And, that, and that's what I've seen time and time again at my company. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you, what do you love most about being in, I'll, I'll first start with a contributor because you're, you know, you're in a leadership position now, but coming from being a, a team lead and then before that a contributor, what's your favorite part about being in a contributor role? Is it, you know, is it the, the, the fast paced element to sales? Is it solving problems for people? I'm curious what your specific, uh, you know, interests are. Yeah. Uh, so first, as you know, I'm, I'm a very competitive person by nature. Yep. <laughs> um, lo love to challenge myself, love to push myself to the limit. So I enjoy, you know, particularly when I was an individual contributor, you know, booking meetings, I, I just got a lot of fulfillment from booking meetings with, you know, the chief digital officer of Affleck or, wow. you know, the, the CIO of Kendra Scott, you know, I mean, it's, it's, very, I'd say, you know, the SDR role, it's extremely impactful. If, if you can be a phenomenal SDR, you'll get the attention of your leadership, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Awesome. I'm curious. So you just mentioned some, some pretty big titles, you know, leadership at, at Aflac or Kendra Scott. Uh, and I remember early on in my career, it was daunting to think about sending an email or making a phone call or sending an email actually early in my career, InMail wasn't really a thing. Uh, and I, I remember again, earlier on just thinking, man, that is how, how can I like reach out to a CIO at a company like that and be taken seriously? Yeah. What are some of the things that you've done or some of the things you've coached your team on in your current role to, to not only stand out, because obviously there's tons of noise out there, but also to, to build sort of professional credibility and executive acumen uh, when you're reaching out to these high level decision makers. Yeah. So, you know, number one, I, you know, and you hear this time and time again, but I really do believe it provide value, have a reason for reaching out to somebody, do your research. You know, if you see that they're on a podcast, listen to the podcast, 
tell them what you you loved and what really resonated is, you know, whatever they said, Um, you know, provide value by inviting them to an industry event or maybe sending them an e-gift. We have so much technology these days in the SDR role that you can really leverage that technology to break through the noise. I mean, things yeah. that we have now that you and I didn't have 10 years ago. I mean, we have video, you know, you could send your prospect a, a LinkedIn voicemail. You could send, like you said, an in-mail. And, yeah. and again, it's, it's just a really great way to cut through the noise. I also do a lot of LinkedIn social selling, which is, uh, you know, definitely helps build my professional brand. And I definitely get meetings that way as well. Okay, I, I thought of two questions after that. And let me start with the first one. Since, since we're talking about social selling, I was looking at your LinkedIn and I was actually realizing like, I've got a lot, I've got a lot of improvement to do on my own profile uh, because yours is really cool. Like you have this, uh, I don't know what it's called, but you have this, this sort of interactive picture on your profile. Yeah. Uh, and I, I clicked on it and a QR code popped up and said, I could do this myself too. So I'm playing it right now, but uh, how do you, so yeah, give us some pointers on, on social selling. I'm a huge advocate uh, of social selling. Uh, A lot of folks know that I used to work for Lindsay Boggs, who was like one of the early LinkedIn voices. She's a, still a personal mentor of mine and coach and, you know, sort of, I don't, I don't know if she pioneered it, but she wrote one of the first articles on how to use in-mail to get a 50% response rate from your prospects and was a big advocate of like your social selling index and getting a good picture out there and writing a, you know, a summary about yourself and your company in the, in the about area and posting your work and sharing things and content and things like that. But yours is really impressive and it's, you know, your profile, you've got it all like decked out with some featured content, which I also want to ask you about, which is your, your hip hop videos. Um, (laughs) but, but give us, give us some pointers on like, like, let's say I'm brand new to the industry or not. Actually, the funny thing is the, the reps that I interact with that are brand new to the industry, get it a lot more than some of the more senior reps out there who didn't start their career with LinkedIn as a resource. And they have no idea how to make their profile sexy. Uh, or make it a sales page. Cause that's, that's essentially what you've done here. If I look at your profile as a prospect, I'm like, I should talk to this lady because she knows what the, what the hell she's talking about. <laughs> and she's obviously very passionate. So maybe she could infuse some of that passion into my business. Right. So anyway, I'm rambling on here, but tell us, uh, give us some quick pointers on, on LinkedIn social selling. Yeah. So first of all, LinkedIn is your opportunity to showcase who you are, what you're all about, what your company's all about. It's, I use it to humanize myself. You know, we're all people, Jesse, you know, and on my LinkedIn, you know, you mentioned the, the rapping. So I, you know, I Mm -hmm. basically have these little videos that I make and I'm rapping about my company, or I'm rapping about how I need to hire eight new SDRs for my team. And I do that for several reasons. Number one, people see it and they love it and they like it and then they comment on it. Number two, I've gotten meetings that way. I've actually, we, and I've hired a candidate who reached out to me after he saw a video and he was like, I'd love to work on your team. Can I apply for a role at Quantum Metric? And I was like, yeah, let's talk. So, you know, it's, there's so many little things that you can do on LinkedIn And you'll get the attention of your prospects. For example, just following your prospect, 
If you follow your prospect on LinkedIn, they get notified of that. So it's kind of like a nudge without even asking for anything, you know? Yeah. Conversely, if you send a, you know, a personal connection request with a note, you know, and I always check to see if they're really active on LinkedIn, because if they're not active on LinkedIn, they're much less likely to approve the connect. But if they're active on LinkedIn, I send a personalized note, but I'm providing value. So I might say, hi, Jesse, uh, Quantum Metric is hosting some upcoming uh, virtual events for CX leaders, open to connecting so I could send you the details. And I'm not immediately trying to sell them on anything. I'm providing value. If they connect with me, I'll invite them to a CX event that might resonate with them or provide them with value. But then once we connect, boom, you've got them. You can send them a video on, through LinkedIn. You could send them a LinkedIn voicemail because you know so many people with the pandemic, they're not even in the office right now. Or maybe they're not gonna get your email because they have 200 emails in their inbox. Or maybe right. their admin is you know, blocking the email, or maybe it just goes to spam. So that's, that's why I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's so awesome. Uh, man, uh, every time, every time I hear your stuff, I have more questions. This is so cool. Uh, and so one question I had was you, you follow your prospects. Are you doing that through sales navigator or is that just, you just go to their profile on the standard LinkedIn platform and follow them? You just go to their profile on LinkedIn and you hit the more button and you hit follow and they get notified of that. And so then if they follow me back, I feel like, okay, they're nudging me back. So maybe there's, you know, maybe I'll focus on them a little bit more. I'm not going to immediately try to sell them on anything. Again, I'm providing them with value. I'm going to invite them to an event. I, you know, maybe, you know, here, here's one thing I, I do to get meetings. When I connect with somebody, well, first of all, LinkedIn has a notification feature that you could turn on that tells you when it's someone's birthday, when they've changed mm -hmm. jobs, when they've gotten promoted. So I use that information and I'll, you know, I'll send them an e-gift, you know, maybe some birthday cookies. So these wow. are some, these are some just different tactics that I use to really, again, break through the noise and, and get their attention. That's so awesome. And you don't even need to, you don't necessarily need to have a sales navigator account. You, you, right. it helps to have one, but you're, so you're saying you can go and build these lists and these insights with, for free, basically on LinkedIn. That's so awesome. I, I do highly recommend a sales navigator account. I'll tell you, Same. you know, when you're working in the enterprise, you do need access to those emails. I mean, those are powerful. Yeah, but absolutely. You brought up something else that I think is really important that was taught to me very early on in my usage of LinkedIn, which is if you do finally connect with, or, you know, you get a follow back from a prospect, it's, probably not polite to immediately reach out and sort of vomit your solution all over that person. <laughs> Sorry for the, 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 you know, imagery there, but right. that is because it's something that happens to me now too, is I get quite a few people that will reach out and they connect and I can kind of tell these days, I'm like, as soon as I accept this connection, I'm going to get a note saying, can I, can I get 15 minutes of your time to show you this or that? And I'm sure you're getting quite a few of them too now. Um, uh, so that is, you know, a very good advice that you shared, which is follow back and just be, be chill about it. You don't need to, 
you don't need to light somebody up right within five minutes of them following you back or accepting your connection. Give it some time. Think about being strategic again, especially in the enterprise. And you're talking about high level buyers, uh, be strategic about it and see if you can uncover ways to add value. And then yep. in a you know couple of weeks or months or whatever it ends up being, then you can, can reach out and add that value versus just the immediate, Hey, can I get 15 minutes? You, you accepted my connection. You must, you must want to talk to me for 15 minutes or whatever. So very good, good insight there. Yeah. Uh, something else I wanted to, something else I think that's really cool you've done is you've picked media channels that make sense for you that you are passionate about. So the, the, the wrapping videos and, you know, the video uploads, uploads are all featured on your profile and that's sort of your channel, which is really cool. Uh, other sellers and prospectors out there can choose a channel that they like. And maybe that's in mail, maybe it's some other form of content. And I'll share that this podcast has a couple of different, um, you know, purposes for me. And one, it's to kind of help me network in the sales space, but I've also booked meetings with my target buyers through the podcast, probably because they saw me post about it. And they were like, wow, that guy's really interesting because he's not just a salesperson at a software company. He obviously does things outside of work that are, you know, that show that he's passionate about being creative and adding value and building an audience and those kind of things. So podcasting could even be a channel where you reach your buyers. And even if the content's not necessarily directed at those buyers, just like you said, humanizing yourself on LinkedIn and showing that you are a real person that has real goals and real objectives and real passions goes a long way when you do pick up the phone or when you do send an email or in mail, your prospects know like, man, this person's really interesting. And I, why not get on the phone with them for a few minutes and figure out what they're, what they're working on. hundred percent. You know, I, you know, that expression, there's many different ways to skin a cat, you know, mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't even admit this on this podcast, but <laughs> I for one hate cold calling. Okay, Jesse, I hate it, but really, I hate it, but you have to do it. Right. So mm-hmm. I do it when I have to, but if I don't have to, I'm going to do what I'm good at and what I'm good at. You know, I found this little wrapping, you know, thing that I can do, you know, I've gotten over 6,000 views on some of my raps. I've gotten wow. meetings. So it's just like, you know, you've got to find what works for you. So if you're better at crafting a compelling email, great. If you're good at, you know, rapping, great. Do that on LinkedIn. And then here's the other thing, Jesse, if you basically, you know, have a, have a very, you know, what's the word? Um, let's say you're, let's say you're very busy on LinkedIn, you know, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm constantly posting on LinkedIn and maybe I tag my prospect because they're in the news or they posted something. So I'm going to like what they post and I'm going to comment. Then when I call them, they, they might know who I am. You know, they, mm-hmm. they might check out my LinkedIn profile. They might download some content. And, and so it's like, when you call them, it's a much easier conversation. You know, if I call, a you know, a cold call to you, I can say, Hey, Jesse, Jamie with quantum metric, we just connected on LinkedIn. Do you have a quick yeah. minute? You're much more likely to have, have a positive reaction with something like that. If that makes sense. I know I just rambled for about, no, 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 that was good. And to your point earlier too, you're following prospects. So you're also keeping up like, like if it happens to be their birthday or they happen to have just changed their role in the last 90 days, that's another data point that you can use on a phone call, which is, you know, hey, Jamie, it looks like you just recently got promoted. Congrats. 
what are you working on in your new role? Maybe I can help, right? So you're getting all kinds of really cool data. So when you do have to make calls, you're not, they're not really cold calls. They're, they're informed call, you know, informed coldish calls, uh, you know, versus how, you know, how you and I started out in this business, which is like, you get a list of numbers in a spreadsheet and you have no idea who you're, who's on the other end of the phone and anything about them. Uh, the way you're going about it is much, much more, you know, intelligent and, and data driven, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And, and it's definitely strategic. I'll give you an example. There is a retail technology leader that I really wanted to get a meeting with and mm -hmm. I followed him. He followed back with me. I connected with him. He approved the request. And I noticed one day I got notification that it was his birthday. Great. So I reached out, but before I reached out, I also noticed that he had a podcast that he was speaking on. So I listened to the podcast and I reached out and I said, Hey, loved your podcast. Happy birthday. Here's an e-gift, some birthday cookies from quantum metric. I sent those cookies in an effort to capture your attention and introduce you to quantum. We're working with other retail technology leaders to blah, blah, blah. Would you be open to briefly connecting? And of course he, he said, yes. I mean, wow. he, so it, and then when I sent the cookies, he actually sent me a video of him and his kids eating the cookies. So it's, you know, you got to remember these are people, you know, they're busy people, but they're just people. Yeah. And, and, and people buy from people they like and Absolutely. have a connection to, and Absolutely. yeah, feel like they have their best interests and yes. put forward what's in it for them. In this case, it was cookies that was in it for him to start, but obviously there's more value to be had. So very, very cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, another thing I've done in the past, Jesse, that really works really well is back when we were able to actually, you know, mail gifts to people because they were in the office, <laughs> I would find right. out, yeah, I would find out where people went to college because that's super important to them. So many people are attached mm -hmm. to their alma mater and I would send them a mug. So if they went to UT Austin, I would send them a UT Austin mug. And oh my God, I got so many meetings that way. And so now you have to do it, you know, e-gifting, which is fine. And that's all great and it works as well, but just creative ways to, you know, again, break through the noise. So yeah. uh, I, I used to use that tactic all the time. We did a campaign. I'll share a story. We did a campaign a few years ago uh, on the, you know, the BDR team I was on and we sent these cocktail like bourbon kits that had like a cocktail ice mold and some cocktail glasses. So we mailed them out to like our top 15 target accounts and there was a message in there that said something like, I'm eager to break the ice or let's, let's break the ice, quote unquote, because there was an ice maker in there. And the, like the only response I ever got from it was one guy saying, thank you for contributing to my alcoholism. <laughs> and that was it. He never like booked a meeting or followed on to that. I, I like relentlessly followed up with him after that. And I was like, hopefully you're joking. Um, but yeah, I do miss sending gifts out. Um, obviously I'm sharing like the, the, the campaign that didn't work that well. Um, but I know like to your point, the alma mater trick works really well. And I've done a couple of mailers that are very, very effective in getting a high conversion, especially when you couple it with other activity, like emails and calls and social outreach and things like that. Absolutely. Yep. So let me ask you this. I, I like asking, you know, reps like yours, or I shouldn't say reps, cause you're, you're a manager now. I like asking professionals like yourself, uh, because you're leading an SDR team. And I know that that SDR leadership has to keep on top of what the best 
tools and, and technologies are in the industry, because you've got, you know, a team underneath you that needs to be successful and you've got to compete with all the other noise that's out there in the marketplace, uh, including your direct competitors. Tell us about some of the, the, you know, tell us about your tech stack. If you can share that, um, what are your favorite tools that, that your team's using right now and, and what solutions should people be looking at out there to, to help streamline their, their success? Yeah, so what we what we use here at Quantum Metric, Salesforce for CRM. I mean, if it if we don't put it in Salesforce, it never happened as far right. as I'm concerned. Um, we use SalesLoft, which is great for building out templates, building out cadence, mm -hmm. really just keeping track of your prospects and, and getting that data to see who's opening the emails and who's clicking on the links and prioritizing those people. Um, we use Vidyard for video. We um, use Sales Navigator, of course. I can't live without it. Mm -hmm. uh, Zoom Info to try to uncover uh, recent contact information. Those are a few that come to mind. I really like SalesLoft. I, I hadn't. I, I was in outreach for many, many years, up until about six months ago. And I started using SalesLoft, and then I've, I've moved on to a new company since, and we don't unfortunately have SalesLoft, but it is a really cool tool. It's got you know not just all of the things you need to be effective at prospecting, but there's there's like a deal management tool for closers. Uh, there's just a lot of really really cool features uh, it, it, within SalesLoft. So I've been yeah I was very happy with that that solution. That's cool. You guys have that in place. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I I can't do my job without it. It's, it's that important. So, How much are you using or is your team using, you said it was Vidyard that you guys have for, for video prospecting? Yeah, we, um, we use it pretty regularly. You know, if we're sending a gift to somebody, then we use Vidyard to, you know, put a, a face to the name. And if we're connected to somebody on LinkedIn, then we will send a LinkedIn video. So they get, you know, both touch points. I need to, so yeah, we, I've, in various points in my career, tried to use videos. Mm -hmm. And the only time I ever had a lot of traction with them is if I was showing something, uh, me just sort of talking into a screen. I, I don't know, maybe I'm self-conscious and, and I, I didn't put the, the uh, you know, effort behind it that I could have, but where I had a lot of success with like, uh, I think I, we used Loom and Vidyard at different points. Uh, you know, I've used those, those tools at different points was actually showing a demo of the product or something interesting. And then sending that over to prospects, particularly when you're selling to really technical buyers. Uh, yeah. I think it's appreciated to not just write a prospecting email, but to put together a video that's like, look, here is our interface. Uh, and here is how you would do this action or that action. And, you know, this positive outcome would come from it. Right. Uh, so is that how you guys use it? Or do you do like a, you know, a video of yourself? Like, yeah. Do you do, do you do product demos or is it mostly just, Hey, here's me, I'm Jamie. And I've been trying to reach you all these different ways, but I'm going to try video too. Um, yeah. So we, they, our SDRs do not do demos. Uh, we leave that for the account executives. So what, what we do when we do a video, it might be, hey, Jesse, this is Jamie from Quantum Metric. Hey, I sent you a Starbucks e-gift to your inbox. And I just wanted to send a quick video to make sure that you got the Starbucks. It might have gone into a spam folder. And Jesse, I sent that Starbucks e-gift really in an effort to capture your attention and introduce you to Quantum Metric. We're working with other CX retail leaders to really identify and prioritize when customers are struggling on digital channels. Would love to briefly connect next week if you're open to hearing more. 
take care. So it could be something as simple as that, yeah. you know, just, again, it's, it's just humanizing who you are. You know, I'm providing you value. I'm reaching out to you because of this and, you know, a soft ask, you know what I mean? Like it's a very soft ask. It's just, yeah. would you be open to briefly connecting? Hope to, you know, hope to hear from you soon. So it, it, it works. It just works. Yeah. Video definitely works. If you think about it, not a lot of people are doing it. So no, no, they really aren't. It's not super widespread amongst yeah. prospectors. And that's cool. You couple it with the gift and, and back to my story earlier that I had sort of a failed campaign of, of mailers. I wonder if things would have been different if we would have had a little more personalization on that front, because again, you can mail a bunch of stuff out to prospects, but if you're not following up on it, consistently, then it, it really doesn't do much good uh, as a tactic. I mean, just mailing something to someone, they're probably not going to drop what they're doing and call you back just because you mailed them something. So it's kind of cool. You guys couple it with a video that makes it more personal and puts a face and a name, you know, and a voice to everything. So that's really cool. Yeah. And you know, Jesse, one thing I've noticed, especially with brand new SDRs that are, you know, it's their first job right out of college and they're just starting out. Mm -hmm. they, they don't realize it takes a while <laughs> to get the attention of these executives. These executives are really, really busy people and you got to have persistence and you've got to really, you know, try all the different channels, video, gifting, cold calling, in-mails, emails, all of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. On that topic, I just had an interesting thought. What, uh, you know, in your observation from working with, and it sounds like you have some newer reps on the team, and, and it sounds like you've worked with SDRs now for, for quite a while. Right. Uh, what are some other areas where you see you know, new SDRs or new sellers kind of falling into different traps or, uh, you know, being their own worst enemy in a way? What are some yeah. things there, like some, some learnings we can take from, and you know, obviously don't call anyone specifically, but um, what are some, some things that you're observing and, and how can we, even as experienced sellers, learn from those pitfalls? Yeah. So, you know, number one, remember that your, your account executive, I mean, super important to have really good SDR and AE alignment. I mean, they're your customer just as much as your prospects are your customer. So you've got to also provide value to your AEs and then they'll return the favor. So it's like, you know, don't expect them to just send you, you know, I got you a meeting. And so you go ahead and enter it. You get them a, some good meetings and, and work collaboratively together. And both of you will be more successful. So that's number one. Number two, you know, provide value to your entire organization, show initiative, you know? And I think that's one reason why I was able to move up so quickly at my current company, because basically I just started leading the team without having a leadership title. And mm -hmm. so as a new SDR, you know, spend an extra 30 minutes a, a week or an hour a week, you know, perfecting your craft, reading a blog, you know, following some thought leaders. We've got so many, I mean, especially for SDRs, I mean, there's Sam Nelson, there's Morgan Ingram, there's Trish Bertuzzi. I mean, there's so many different SDR groups and SDR channels. Leverage the knowledge that your community has. That's awesome. No, I, that's great advice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, I had another question and I, I, <laughs> I want to make sure I didn't lose it. I didn't write it down fast enough. Uh, yes, this is a question I had for you because I know that your and me, you know, we're, we're both in this CX space uh, and have played in this area for a while. And we both know that it is an incredibly crowded arena. There are, there's so much noise, there's so many vendors, there's so many priorities. Uh, our buyers tend to, in my experience, be more like project oriented that, you know, it takes them having a sponsored project before they're able to really devote attention to evaluating a new solution. So I'm really curious how, and we've talked about a lot of ways already, but how, uh, how are you guys standing out in a sea of noise? I think this is going to become a thing over the next couple of years in, in almost every category, whether you're in CX or not. I mean, in the sales enablement category is also getting really crowded and marketing and all these other areas where people are selling into to enterprises. What kind of things are you guys doing to differentiate, to, to cut above the noise? It's, it's getting harder and harder from my perspective to, to really stand out and differentiate. And I'd be curious on how you're coaching your reps to do so and, and how you guys are, are using your resources to, to do that. Yeah, so that's a really great question. One thing that immediately comes to mind is we have at Quantum Metric a phenomenal marketing team and they host phenomenal industry events that really do provide value to the prospects. And we, we often do it every quarter. So we'll do like, we just did what's called leap into travel. And this was for travel and hospitality leaders in the CX and digital experience space. Then, you know, we're going to do leap into retail. We're going to do leap into insure, you know, like we have the different verticals. And so if you can get a whole bunch of fantastic prospects in one, you know, virtual room together, providing them with value. You know, we just hosted um, yesterday, in fact, we had a, an event with Forrester. So again, it's thought leadership and, and, it, and it's providing value. So if I get, a, you know, let's say we had 50 people that were registered for that event. And then of course you'll have attrition. A lot of people just don't show up. Still, it's a great opportunity to call them and say, hey, you know, you, you signed up for the Forrester digital banking event. You're a CX banking digital leader. We're actually working with other CX banking leaders at US Bank and Bank of Montreal to really help identify customer friction. Would you be open to briefly connecting next week to hear how we're helping them out? It's just a much easier conversation to have. So I would say work closely with your marketing team. They are, you know, they're going to help you fill your pipeline, quite frankly. Yeah. No, that's great. I, yeah, events in my experience, especially selling to the enterprise are, are really key. The oh, pandemic's yeah. been interesting there, but I think that you can still do a lot of good digital events and, and virtual oh, yeah. events that can fill that gap. I'm excited for whenever it is that, you know, the world gets back to doing in-person events in, in different metros and areas. But uh, for now, I think virtual events can, yeah, fill that void. And, and uh, I, I do agree that working with marketing, being up to speed on what assets are, are being put out by marketing to, to help you, you know, make sure your messaging is dialed in, make sure you understand who your buyer is because marketing can help do that, right? That their whole, you know, or a big part of what, they, what, what your marketing team does is outline who your buyer personas are, your ideal customer profiles are, 
And all of that is really good research to help you be more successful because of course, back to people buy from people they like, but people also buy from people they trust. And people also really like to buy from someone who gets them and understands what they do every day. And if you're selling to CX leaders or IT buyers or marketers, uh, it definitely helps selling or prospecting against, I should say, it definitely helps to say, look, I understand that your priorities are likely this, or I think they probably are this because I've done enough research to, to sound intelligent in this area. And I'm helping other buyers do this as well. That really goes a long way. 100%. It, it all comes down to what you said a few minutes ago, people buy from who they like. And you know, I can't tell you how many meetings I've gotten, you know, prior to the pandemic, when I would travel a lot, I was, you know, every single industry event I'd go to, I would go to dinners with people and I would go, I mean, one time I actually went on a dolphin tour with like 20 different <laughs> and I told wow. you just, the dolphin tour, I, you're on a boat for four hours with like 20 other people, you're going to get to know them. And yeah. I tell you, it's, it's a much easier conversation to follow up when you get back in the office, you know, uh, to, they'll take the meeting if they yeah. like it if they like you and you provide value. Right. That's so awesome. Man, mm -hmm. I want to go on a dolphin tour. That sounds really fun. It, it is really fun. It is. It is. It was uh, Frost and Sullivan. I don't, I don't know if you've ever gone to any of their events, but they're pretty phenomenal. I've heard, I've heard of them. Yeah. Sp speaking of events, I remember hearing about Qualtrics event that they used to do. I don't know if they, they probably still do it, or I guess they're doing it virtually now, but when they used to do in-person events, they would have like Tony Hawk and Oprah and oh, yeah. Obama show up. Like that's the way to go is if you can, if you can put up, if your company's putting on an event where Obama is going to be there and, and uh, Tony Hawk is there, you're, oh, yeah. uh, you're on the right track and you're definitely going to probably sell a lot of things. <laughs> you're going to sell a lot. Absolutely. I, I remember going to call center week one year and, and they had oh. magic, magic Johnson and I got to meet magic Johnson. And it's so much easier when you can reach out to your prospects and say, Hey, I noticed you were also at call center week. Did you have a chance mm -hmm. to meet up with magic Johnson? By the way, this is what we're doing for other contact center leaders. It's just an easier conversation to have. That is so cool. Yeah. I've, I've wanted to go to CCW for a few years now. And just because I was scheduled to go, but because of the pandemic last year, right. it shifted all virtual. So maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know. I mean, we'll see what happens with the pandemic, but I know. you know, <laughs> it's hard. It's yeah. Tough. One other question for you. I'm kind of jumping back to an earlier comment you made. I'm curious, I'm in a, you know, essentially a contributor sales seat, uh, an, an account executive or field sales role. Mm -hmm. And we, we just hired uh, some SDRs to, to assist us with our pipeline generation. Mm -hmm. How would you, or what advice would you give an AE or a field seller uh, to being, you know, to having a successful partnership with their SDR resources, what, uh, what advice would you give someone who's got a quota, who wants to generate more pipeline, they have access to an SDR, they're partnered with an SDR. Uh, what are some, some insights you can share there that that'll help that category or that group of, of sellers? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. I think it boils down to clear expectations and constant communication. So by clear expectations, I'm talking about when you have your weekly one-on-ones with your SDRs, let them know what accounts you want them to prioritize. Over-communicate 
if at all possible. If you see that your prospect is in the news, share that information, share that intelligence with your SDR. Try mm -hmm. to really forge a positive relationship because if you take the time and really invest in, in them, they will take the time and work on your accounts harder. Um, you know, in, in my company, we have SDRs that sometimes are supporting several, uh, several AEs. So I think, again, you know, SDR, AE alignment, super, super important. And then what do you, as, you know, as the team leader, the manager, what do you do to, to, if there is issues between, and, you know, no one, no one wants there to be issues. And hopefully that's not typically the case because you're talking about skilled professionals working together and partnering. Um, but I have seen in my career a couple of times where there was some AE SDR friction. What's yeah. your process for resolving that from a manager's seat uh, and getting, you know, getting those individuals aligned again? Or have you not had to encounter that yet? I have encountered that, in fact. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I have. And, you know, it all boils down to, you know, sometimes it might not be a good fit. Maybe it's a personality conflict, you know, like maybe it's just if we move this SDR to a different AE, it might be a, a better experience for both. So what I, you know, when I had that happen, I got on the one-on-one -on -one with both of them. And I basically was like, what can I do to make this easier for the two of you? And, you know, ultimately it ended up being, let's, let's just restructure and reassign you to a different AE. And that's okay. I mean, that, that happens. But overall, I, I think if an SDR has really good alignment with their AE, if they're providing value to the AE by getting them meetings, and not just meetings, but meetings that the AE wants, you know, like, don't waste your AE's time and book a meeting with a lower level prospect if you know that it's going to waste their time, but you just wanted to get the meeting just to get the meeting, you know, right. like focus on what the AE is asking, you know, like if they want you to prioritize director level and above, you know, retailers, then do it, you know, um, yeah. it's super important. Awesome. No, that's really helpful. Just, you know, I'm getting up to speed again on how to motivate SDRs and, and, you know, utilize them as a, as a tool in my, you know, a tool in my arsenal to, to, to build my pipeline. Yeah. And, and everybody has different motivators, you know, like I have a guy on my team that he just loves to golf. If he could golf 24 mm -hmm. hours a day, he would be thrilled. And so, you know, I tell him, Hey, you get two meetings this week and take off on Friday, go golf. Or, you know, maybe somebody has a bunch of kids and they, you know, like it, you just have to find what motivates somebody. Is it, is it money? Is it career growth? Is it, you, you know, what is it? Find that and, and utilize that to your advantage. That's awesome. You sound like a really good manager. One that I wish I would have had earlier on in my career. Thank you, Jesse. I, I try, you know, like you and I, we, we had Ken Shaw and Ken, <laughs> yeah is the epitome of servant leadership. And I strive to be a servant leader because ultimately I'm compensated on the results of my SDRs. I want them to be successful. I want to help them grow their career. I want them to be happy. I want them to kill it and make a ton of money. I'd much rather do that than, you know, deal with attrition and having to hire a bunch of new SDRs and retrain them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And shout out to Ken Shaw. I don't know if he listens to the show or not. Um, but Thank yes, you. absolutely instrumental in my sales career as 
really the first coach that genuinely cared and yeah. really put forth a lot of effort to make sure that, that I was successful. And I think you could probably say the same thing. So really awesome, fantastic leader. One that's not super active on social or anything like that, at least not on LinkedIn, um, but really, really solid leader. Yeah. You know, it's all about building trust with the, the people that you're working with, you know, and I want my SDRs to know that I'll work my ass off for them to be successful and I'm available at any time. Yeah. And it's just super important. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, I know we're coming up here on time. Any final words of wisdom uh, or ideas or best practices or what's working, what's not working that you care to share with uh, the listeners of the show? Yeah, I can't say it enough. Provide value, custom, personalize the outreach based on what you know about the individual. In, in 2021, we have so much information about prospects. I mean, you can look at their LinkedIn, you could look at annual reports to see what's important to the company. You know, you could just do a quick Google search, see if they have a Twitter, you know, like any information that you can glean in your outreach will get their attention. And I would also say, just remember, we're all people, you know, and, and you know, we've talked about it a few times, but people buy from who they like. Mm -hmm. they take meetings from who they like they don't like you you're not going to get very far yep love it fantastic advice jamie thank you so much for reaching out and i've really enjoyed this this interview and i think the audience is going to find a lot of value in what you shared today and we will have to have you back on again sometime i love it jesse it was great talking with you uh, <sighs> have a great weekend I'm, I'm sure we'll uh connect again soon all right 